Hi, I'm Chad Emerson, and this is the Downtown Explorer Podcast, the virtual third place where we gather for interesting conversations with downtown innovators and entrepreneurs. All right. Welcome back to the Downtown Huntsville Explorer Podcast. Another episode here at the worldwide headquarters of DHI, and we're excited about our guest today, Matt Wake with AL.com. Matt, welcome. Hey, Chad. Good to see you, Tim. Good to see you as well, man. Yeah. So, Matt, um, you wear a lot of different hats, but uh, one of your main hats is a reporter for AL.com. Yeah. And you have a really fun beat. It seems like it's some combination of food, beverage, and music. Tell us about what you write about for AL.com. I write about people doing cool stuff and cool stuff to do. Um, so that involves everything from music, uh, food, can be TV and film, but we're looking for the biggest local stories that uh, will reach and mean the most and uh, be compelling to the most amount of people. And that what, what's compelling and what reaches people has changed a lot since, I mean, you're a young guy, but even since we got started, so much is digital. How is, how is the digitization of news affected the way you focus on a story? We know what people read and what they don't. <laughs> you know, it don't lie. Um, so, you know, you can appre- approach that without soul and with soul, and I try to approach it with soul. So um, you try to find something that has heart and a local um, heartbeat to it, but also has a good shot. You know, nobody bets a thousand on what they think will wor- work or, you know, even, you know, like something like Apple, not everything they do is a home run. But you try to use what you know to find stories and pick the stories to cover that you have the that has the best shot of reaching people, you know, where it's a good story still and where it has soul and a local pulse. But uh, so that's kind of how the digital thing has. And you referred to in the it. fact that it used to be you'd get a paper and you knew how many people got the paper, but you didn't really know what articles they read. No. Now. Your metrics, there's probably a board behind the scenes somewhere. Ale.com says this was read this many times. Well, I'm, I'm not going to go into how we see it because I'm probably not supposed to divulge stuff like that. But, you know, we're people who uh, we, we're aware of what people It's much more empirical now. Yes. And, you know, there's some, uh, and God bless, you know, the print era of, that I started in, we built the Internet every day. That's what we did, you know, before the internet. We built the internet every day with hmm. no newspapers, daily newspapers and stuff. But I go back now, and when I'm researching, like, I did some research on a, a lawsuit that Motley Crue had regarded to a, a Huntsville concert in the mid-'80s here. Kid got injured. He said it was from Pyro. They, The band said it's from something else. But I went back and, you know, because that's not online, those stories. So I went back and looked in Microfish at the library and, you know, you're scanning through the newspaper and you're going through these stories. You're like, who the heck read that? There's no way someone re- wrote, read a planning commission meeting about sidewalks. No way. But, you know, something that digital, you know, there's, you know, been some bad things about it. No doubt. Just like there's some bad things about, you know, musicians wish, you know, you still had to buy a CD to hear their music instead of them getting half a cent for every time you stream it on Spotify. But, uh, but uh, you know, I wish Coca-Cola's cost 30 cents still, too, but time marches on. 
And I just love the fact that you are probably the first and only guest that will bring the word microfish into the podcast. I hadn't heard the word microfish. I mean, that's like, that's going in through and going through the old screens and everything. Yeah. Whenever I do that, it's, it's rare, but it's fun because I do like to do these deep dive kind of nostalgia things. You feel like you're in one of those private investigator movies or one of, you know, where they're looking through the cold case stuff. You know, it even makes that click sound and it looks just like that. The microfish. What a great memory. So, um, now the balance to all of this is probably the fact that now that you can more specifically identify what is successful, not just writing to make something viewed, what they often call clickbait. Sure. What's, what's the internal process you kind of try to guard against just writing an article for no other reason, but eyeballs, not the story itself. Um, well, I mean, what would you want to read? Uh, what has soul to it? What um, we all know successful ventures that you know the Beatles, most successful band in the history of the world. Do they have soul? Yeah, they have soul. You know, like. But I think what you try to do is a clickbait. To me, is stuff that is false, hokey, promises some d- doesn't deliver it kind of a you know shyster kind of thing have real news in it man and especially original reporting you know so those are ways that you kind of keep it from being clickbait. speaking of original reporting i mean you do great work with ale.com but mm-hmm. you're also i mean you you've uh freelanced or whatever the term is for some really impressive publications especially in the musical world walk us through some of the other articles you've written outside of the ale.com universe yeah, so um, one that I enjoyed the most was a, a kind of a long-term uh, working relationship with LA Weekly in Los Angeles, which is, uh, if you're familiar with Village Voice in New York, it's of, of that ilk, um, and uh, got to do a lot of cool stuff with them for a couple of years, um, and uh, other stuff I've really enjoyed, you know, uh Got to write a couple of things for Rolling Stone, a couple of things with Spin. I have a few things coming up uh, soon with Spin, uh, written for Guitar World, Paste. Um, it's it's fun, and uh, it's, I think, also my boss um, at AL.com, who's wonderful, Ben Flanagan, who's based out of Tuscaloosa, um, and a great uh, lifestyle and culture writer, too. But um, I think he appreciates that it, uh, what it brings back to what I do with AL.com. So when you're writing for Rolling Stone or yeah. some of these are large national publications, mm-hmm. what, what's an interview or what's a conversation you were in with someone and you're like, what just happened? Because you're mm-hmm. talking to people from around the world for those publications, right? Yeah. And, you know, the, the, the thing that hits you is when you start interviewing people that were on posters mm-hmm. on your wall as a kid. Like, I've interviewed Slash from Guns N' Roses. I've interviewed Nikki Six a few times from Motley Crue. Those guys were both on my wall when I was a teenager, posters of them. Uh, so that is surreal. But it's also cool. I mean, they're three-dimensional people, and you do your homework, ask them good questions, and you know, you're there for a reason. You're good enough to ask them questions. But uh, so that's probably the most interesting thing I have on that. So not what was your favorite story you've written, but what was the, mm. your favorite interviewed you've, you've engaged in? Um, single interview? Okay, one, uh, I mentioned Slash. This was back when I was writing for um, 
Metro Mix, which was a national um, sort of uh, network. They had uh, kind of digital alt-weeklies in places like New York, Los Angeles, um, Austin, Texas, Atlanta, all over the place. I was in Greenville, South Carolina at that time. And I got to interview Slash. And a lot of times, uh, if you're in a, a regional or local outlet, the bigger the star, usually the uh, smaller the duration of the interview. So usually a lot of people I interview, it's 20 minutes, 30, 45, uh, in terms of like touring level or famous people. Like uh, Slash had 10 minutes, you know, that's, but he, this is, you know, like after he got sober and stuff. So one, he was funny and clever he, he had concise, colorful answers, and it was one of the best interviews I've ever done. And unfortunately, it's not still out here because Metromix doesn't exist anymore. But, uh, and uh, someone uh, accidentally, um, my personal like recording file of it, deleted it accidentally. But, you know, I, I, I let her live, but I probably shouldn't have. <laughs> So, so there, there is a slash interview in your past, even though we may not be able to hear it now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so that's one that I really jo- enjoyed. But, you know, a lot of times, you know, like stuff with the muscle shoals stuff, like some of these people that, you know, you talk to them. And it's like talking to a freaking farmer or a guy who works at, you know, the grocery s- store or something. There's like no ego, but, you know, they've like made records with the biggest stars in the world, made some of the records that will be played to the end of Western civilization, you know, had hung out, you know, with these massive stars, and they made this music with them, but they act just like, you know, everyday folks. Yeah. So in addition to covering music, you actually sold music for a while. Um, You were an early retailer in downtown Huntsville with a vinyl shop at Clinton Row. Talk us through how did Matt Wake decide to open a vinyl shop? Okay. So um, that was called Echo Records. And Chad, uh, again, you guys were always so helpful downtown Huntsville, Inc. with promoting the store and the other, you know, kind of nascent uh, sort of embryonic stages of retail uh, coming back to downtown. And... uh, But at that time, you know, there was sort of, I was interested in how they say diversify your portfolio, like in stocks and stuff. I had been in the journalism game a while, and it's an awesome game, but it's precarious. You know, stuff goes and comes. People get laid off. Uh, Media outlets go away. They stop existing. So I was like, I want to have another revenue stream that's not a staff job in journalism that's not freelancing something outside of it so it's like i love records i love music i want to do retail so i got into that and at the time uh, clinton Rowe had these really affordable it's kind of more of a business incubator kind of vibe small like, the size of this table we're at right <laughs> yeah yeah the first one was tiny man tiny but it's what you did with it, you know, and if you read, I mean, Apple started in a freaking garage, man. Like, I love the stories of, like, everything goes down the same way. Um, egos, um, uh, vices, but how things start 
those stories are so different. So I love the, you know, the stories of when something that got big started small. So it was cool to have a shot at starting small with something you hoped would get big. Um, and we actually were able to purchase, like, the thing about final records is the margin, the profit margin is all in the used records. New records, um, the profit margin's tiny, tiny, tiny. But if you get a good stash, a good collection that you buy from someone of used records, profit margin can be huge. But the rub is you can't just call a distributor and go, hey, I'd like 600 used records and make sure there's a lot of Funkadelic, Prince, Led Zeppelin, Rolling Stones, and Velvet Underground in there. So, But when we were starting out, we were lucky to buy with the like our very like second or third buy, like either right before we started or right after, like this incredible, this guy, he had passed away. And uh, he had this incredible collection, everything from like mainstream awesome stuff that everybody buys, like um, Michael Jackson and Beatles and stuff, but all the way to like obscure stuff that like, um, you know, the real vinyl diehards really like, you know, stuff more like uh, I mentioned Velvet uh, Underground, um, stuff like that, more esoteric, but super cool to the hardcore collectors. Like a huge, so much so that we bought, we rented a uh, a space upstairs, and we would kind of siphon them down so we didn't put them all out at once because the place was so small. But the whole thing was we wanted to do something that was all killer, no filler. Because look, you go to record stores now and you're like, there's a lot of them. A lot of them are, have a lot of filler stuff that never moves. It's been there for 13 years. But the thing I always loved is. The stuff that's on the wall, that's where they put the good stuff. So the cool thing about the space, it was small, but we just made it all, we kind of used that to an advantage. Mm. And we made it all record wall. So there was on all sides, from foot to ceiling, it was record wall. And there were some racks in the middle, and, and the tables got bigger as so the space got a little bigger. But that was kind of the niche, was all killer, no filler, and we would... Um, and we kind of kept that, but, you know, it, it didn't work out the way uh, some things kind of changed. When we initially started there, there was a kind of property manager situation, which is why I got into it, because they would make sales when you were there. That person left for another job, and the person who owns that building didn't fill that position. It wasn't in your lease, so lesson. Make sure everything's in writing. <laughs> Everything. But it was, I tell you what, man. If you've never owned a small business, it is a total different side of glass. You'll never look at any business the same again. Anytime you go somewhere, you're like, oh, man, that's a good idea. That's working. Or you go, that is not working. <laughs> that is not making the money. Um, and that's a reoccurring theme from a lot of our guests. I mean, even starting with the mayor, he owned a small restaurant business. You had Stephanie Mel talking about their businesses. You had Devin talking about his coffee shop, right? So it seems like even if it's not a lucrative experience, it can be a learning experience. Oh, my gosh. Uh, very much a learning experience. And also, like, the people you meet, you know, um, retail's a challenge because it's kind of passive. You're waiting for people to come in there and, like, um, buy your stuff, like, but, you know, for, like, journalism, I go out and I club the food and I bring it home and I 
cook it, you know. You eat what you kill. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know. I, but, you know, there in, in retail, you're kind of waiting for people to come be the food, you know. Yeah. But uh, invaluable learning, everything from, you know, marketing to, like, how you deal with people to how you deal with good customers to how you deal with problem problems. Uh, I recommend it highly for someone to have a small business. My The one thing I'll do next, if I ever do a small business again, I'll do different is if you if it's a retail thing, sell what you make. Make, make what you sell. <laughs> yeah, the artisanship of Huntsville, I think, would really support that. It seems to be one of the things that really works here. Um, you started on the lifestyle and culture, I call it a beat, whatever it's called now, the assignment desk um, for Huntsville Times, AL.com, when? 2012. So 2012. So I remember moving here in 2013, so my memory serves me correct. You were here. I remember reading some of your articles. A lot of fun to read, but uh, that's now nearly a decade ago. So looking back, I want to talk about each of the three categories that I see. You cover a lot of categories, but the how has the downtown Huntsville music scene mm -hmm. evolved since mm -hmm. 2012? How has the food scene mm -hmm. and how has the beverage, whether it be craft beer, coffee, all those kind of things? Because yeah, mm -hmm. you seem to write articles about all of these. So let's yeah. start with music. How has the music scene in, in Huntsville as a whole, but really downtown Huntsville, evolved since 2012 well i'm going to t explain that go through that uh here in a sec but i and i'm not just saying this because you're across the table across this uh polished metal table from me on the other microphone but what you guys did as far as generating energy and interest and in, uh, having good ideas and having new ideas uh, it, i mean there is no way downtown huntsville in 2021 would look like it is now which an actual city is what it looks like now. Like it, compared to before, Chad, you got here and we're doing downtown Huntsville Inc. Um, well, let's get this man his gift card and send him on his way. We are finished. Thank you, Matt Wake. Great interview. Now, I appreciate the kind words. And it, it it's a lot of times, you know, as we're an organization and individual and the organization, it, you get more credit you deserve, but I do appreciate you saying that because it's a lot of a lot of people working on this, and and a lot of the people that are working on this are these entrepreneurs who are creating side tracks, who creating coffee shops, yeah. who creating restaurants. Mm -hmm. Tell us how yeah. um, how the music scene has evolved because there's there was a scene here, but it's really interesting now. In fact, it's about to be even more interesting with the uh, Lumberyard and its new project. Better platforms for the best musicians to have the best shot at winning over new fans and it just being at their best. And in general, what I would say the big difference is in downtown Huntsville from 12 to when I got here to now is there's a lot more places that like if I had a friend in town from a quote-unquote cool city like New York, Detroit, Los Angeles, there's a lot more places that I would take them like this will make them think Huntsville was cool. You know, where's, a, where's a couple of places? I mean, I can't list them all. I mean, you go right, into right, Voodoo, right. you go into Sidetracks, Furniture Factory. Well, well yeah, Furniture Factory and Voodoo already existed, but like uh, as far as one recently, a big one to me is um, Fat Sammy's. You go down in there, it's a different world. It's an experience, man. They have awesome food that's different. They have cool, you know, crazy tiki drinks, and they have a vibe and a decor and an atmosphere. Um, 
the staff's cool and interesting. They serve spam, Matt. I mean, they serve and sell, and people buy spam there. I mean, there's something. They, they cracked a nut somehow there, didn't they? Yeah, I'll never consume spam because I used to have to eat it as a kid. I used to have to eat it. Jeff Jeremy, and he's like, somehow he turned spam into something special. But Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, you know, some other things I think were key. Um, uh, I think that, you know, just more variety, more different colors of the spectrum. Like, you know, there are some, you know, I was walking by the Martin on the way up here. Now, is that my vibe to go hang out at? No, not really. But for a certain type of person, that is an awesome space with that second floor, you know, the open air thing. Um, you know, it's a great place. You know, that Fat Sammy's more of like kind of an indie underground, but, you know, not, you know, scary vibe. But like, um, and then you have stuff like, that I think, you know, like uh, stuff like... Uh, Los Casino Esquina, really cool Mexican food. And I think, you know, they had the, you know, the bad luck of coming in right when the COVID was hitting. But, you know, like a lot of people, they've, you know, gotten good at hitting a curveball. And uh, I think that's something that adds. Um, and like something that was important, I think downtown Huntsville Inc. got people used to coming back downtown having these ideas for the food truck rallies, for um, other kind of themes, uh, uh, interesting. It wasn't just the same old, same. And we like our traditional things. Some of the stuff's really good. I went to Panoply this year, and the day I went, they had a bunch of original local music. It wasn't a bunch of covers, like, you know. And, and that's something I'd like to see Huntsville get a lot better at. Like, the major things, no more cover bands, man. You wanna you wanna be Austin, Texas? Have original, have the best original music. Like I went to this thing called Sluice Fest a couple of weeks ago. It's the best thing to happen to local live original music, you know. And I mean music that's like that you can rock to, that you can dance to. I'm not like kind of a singer songwriter quiet thing. I mean, it was like, you know, Tip Top Cafe was like a legendary thing here in Huntsville in like the 80s and 90s. It was a raucous place, man. You didn't go there to sit in a chair and, you know, like you were watching a sermon or something. You went there and you had possibly one of the best nights of your life. This Sluice Fest in three days was basically like two weeks of Tip Top in three days. It was fun. People danced. People paid money to see original music. Isn't that really go into the vibe you were talking about? Make what you sell, sell what you make. I mean, that applies to goods, wow. but also music, right? That's a hell of an insight. Okay, that's Thanks. a hell of an insight. We need a button when I do a good insight. Like, <laughs> ding, ding, ding. <laughs> we'll get that button for next one. Hey, uh, we're getting close to the end here, but still got time for a little bit more. Um, so, one of the big music investments in downtown in the last several years is Mars Music Hall. Great, great play. It, it, uh, gosh, it brings. Oh my God, it, it brings. You know. All kinds of music here, and that's his, that size. So many people were skipping over Huntsville because we didn't have that right fifteen hundred cap thing. Man, as much, I'm psyched about the amphitheater, but Mars Music Hall just as crucial, if not more crucial. What is the um, strangest or most curious place in Huntsville that you've legally seen a concert or a performance? Yeah, yeah. Um, 
Strange. You know, there 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 have been a couple of um, houses that would have punk rock shows. You know, I remember going back to those as, you know, I moved away, but I did come uh, go to high school here. Uh, I lived away as an adult, a lot of it, but um, until I came back in 12. But I remember going to, like, punk rock shows and houses, and, you know, there was some of that going on the last few years. Um, and, you know... Uh, those that comes to mind. There's probably some weirder things. But. The reason I ask, I remember you you doing an interview. We did that series, the drive-through concert series, which is in the abandoned drive-through of the Regions Parking Deck downtown. Smart, yeah, that was and cool. I, and we were just worried about not getting rained out. And uh, you you remember you asking us like, well, I don't think I've ever been to a concert in an abandoned drive-through. No, that that was cool, but and almost and almost, you guys have innovative ideas, and sometimes, you know. That idea might come back. Huntsville might be ready for that uh, idea now or in a year or two. You know, as, as innovative as you guys are, and you know, not 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 all my articles are home runs. And um, you know, even Steve Jobs, not all his ideas were great. But um, like that, <laughs> that is a random great place. <laughs> um, Still there if you need now, to. Book you know, it. <laughs> yeah, and I've seen you know like. Um, I've seen a, a, a show on top of a, here in Huntsville on top of a parking garage before. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, those come to mind. Um, flatbed people going around on flatbed trucks. You know, microwave Dave or other people. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, so you're talking about during COVID, there was a, a band that would go around in a flatbed and and they got ticketed but um it was probably worth the ticket i would have gladly paid for it because i was like how cool was that that was innovation in huntsville you can't have people near you so you're driving around and bringing the music to them really cool and i remember like uh vertical house records during the pandemic during the thick of that you know retail people are like it's like a horror sci-fi movie out and nobody wants to go out or let alone to a store where other people have taught you know you touch something you'll die kind of thing like but they were doing deliver. They got the idea to deliver records, and I, I, they delivered a, a T Rex record to me. The guys who did Bang Gong is like their big hit. But they were a British glam rock band. It was a cool record. I got. But I thought that was so cool. Like the, and you, I know Chad. This is something that you helped promote and help people develop. But the, um, you know, uh, that crucible of like the thick of the COVID, the things that people found out. And the th- you and I even talked about this for an article, the stuff that will stick, you know, at, even after that, that say, well, we should be doing this all along, you know, like the um, ordering on your phone better, uh, more streamlined. You know, I think you'll see, you know, more and more people have, you know, I think paper menus, you know, you know, instead of the uh, QR code, you hit with your phone and it comes up. Yeah, you certainly don't want a pandemic, but it, I mean, it's true. It probably advanced online ordering technology five years faster than it would have out of necessity, right? Yeah, and it's so seamless and easy now. And, you know, those people, when, uh, you know, like a lot of people, uh, I'm 49. I grew up, you know, working in high school and college, like in the service industry jobs. And after that, too, like when I was trying to do music, but like, um, when you're waiting tables or something, you it was always a pain in the ass to take a to go order. It, it and it took away from your job, which is to wait tables. So it's efficient. All right, this is what a what a great conversation. It feels um, 
we've talked about everything from Slash to drive-through concerts. So uh, we're going to wrap it up now. Uh, what's, what's some things uh, we're going to post this later towards the month? What are some of the things that are piquing your interest right now in stories? Is it is it food? Is it beverages? Is it music? What's 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 on your mind right now? You know, uh, finding new textures in food and music that work i think that's you know where the next thing huntsville and also as huntsville's profile uh grows um it's there's more pressure you know there's more stuff now so if you come with a new food thing if you come with a new video if you come um, if you come with a new music video it's gotta you know have some flavor and some oomph to it man like and i also i think um i'm interested in you know People who, as the you know, stuff like Twitch or Peloton, like what Huntsville people are, you know, involved with that, or you know, um, and I also, you know, the fact I love music. There's so many talented musicians here, so many, you know, from Kelvin Wooten, who has worked with, you know, all kinds of legends, and he's working on huge records now about like J Cole, the, the huge rapper, stuff like that, and you know, whether it's um, all these other people who have toured internationally or been in major label bands, but Huntsville has never had a legitimately famous artist. Not one. Not one. I, I think it would be huge for the city to crack that. Because then all of a sudden, people want to put Huntsville, they're from Huntsville, on their bio, on their Twitter, on their artist bio. Then it becomes, it's like Muscle Shoals, you know. We all know some people who live in Muscle Shoals that are artists there. And we all know some people who don't really live in Muscle Shoals, but they say they're based there because it sounds cool. It's got a history. It's got a legacy. So that's something I'm interested in. Who's going to be the first Huntsville band or artist to be legit famous? Well, that's cool. And it seems like um, the community, whether it be through the music officer position, music board, supporting local music, it, it, it's creating at least an environment where that could naturally grow. There ha it's, they have a lot. It, this is the best shot I think talented Huntsville musicians have to break through. You know, like it's all about having the best platform to be consumed and get new fans you know and for people to see you at what you do best in a, in a experience that you're like man you know i want to do that again i want to listen to that again i want to not just listen to that song at 11 p.m on a saturday i want to hear it on tuesday at 10 a.m in my car man man that's a great conversation matt um, we're gonna wrap it up now with a segment we do with every guest called the favorite five these are one word or designed to be one word answers you can elaborate if you want but it gives people a little more insight into the mind of matt wake so let's get started with the favorite five number one led zeppelin or the eagles zeppelin number two fine dining or a hole in the wall hole in the wall 100 percent. number three digital or vinyl Final. Yeah, I just had to put that. I, I was just curious if he'd just bite, you know. Even though you're a digital reporter largely now, you recognize. And, you know, I, I think digital, what it's great for is discovering new artists. And, like, because um, I'll remember so many times, like, you'd buy uh, an album cover because you maybe read some press that you made it sound interesting or you like that, that they look cool on the album cover. But, like, now, you know, you can check some 
I check a lot of things out. And if I'm on digital or whatever the platform is, and if I like it, if I really like it, I'll buy it, you know. But as a consumer, I don't have to. I mean, we all bought tapes and CDs back in the day. We're like, oh, this is supposed to be cool. Or this looks like cool. And you play it, and then it doesn't really connect, and you're out the books. If I said vinyl or 8-track, would the answer still been vinyl? Yeah, I'm, not, <laughs> I'm old, but I'm not that old. <laughs> Number four, favorite five, uh, burger or burrito? Burrito. I can eat Mexican food like, <clears throat> excuse me, probably the most frequent of any cuisine during a week. You know what I mean? Like Asian too. I, I can eat a lot too. Something about it. But um, yeah, burrito. All right. And lastly, um, think of your favorite artist in your mind's eye. Would you rather see them in a stadium concert, Madison Square Garden, mm-hmm. or in a listening lounge like the Bluebird? Madison Square Garden. I want to rock, man. And you do. Your your articles uh, bring a lot to our community. Thank you for everything you cover, because you cover things that deserve being covered. It's not just necessarily the newest thing here. Uh, it's finding those entrepreneurs, those food, those musicians that, that really bring character to our city. So thanks for uh, all you do. Oh, man. I, I've got a cool gig, and I appreciate all the people out there who give me interesting stuff to write about. And I appreciate them talking uh, to me about it. All right. That's Matt Wake lifestyle and culture reporter for al.com check them out on al.com and we will talk to you next time on the downtown huntsville explorer podcast